Welcome to the show. Great to be with you today. Paul George. Digging Adam Conk in the studio. Hey, hey, hey. Working those beats, man. Yeah, just going through our new music list. Loving the new intro to the show. Actually, we're kind of in a good mood today because we're recording on a Friday this week because it's been a kind of yeah. busy, crazy week. Fridays definitely feel better. I don't know what it is. I mean, we all get that, right? Yeah, people knock off of work early, whatever the case may be. And uh, Fridays, yeah, obviously, because it's the weekend, you know? So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a lot of people who are listening on the radio, by the way, thanks for listening. Um, we pre-record the show, and then it plays on Friday afternoons here on the KFT, KLFT radio. So thanks on the podcast. You listen to it anytime, get it whenever, share it wherever. So thank you guys for listening in. Deacon Adam Conk and I in the studio for show, like, would you say 177? Seven. 177. That's a lot of shows. It's a lot of shows. Because that's, you know, we, we do this once a week, mm -hmm. mostly. We yeah. skip some weeks over yeah. the years. Yeah, vacation, holidays. We've been doing this show for, what, four or five sick, years? Sick days, whatever. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, it's a lot of themes, a lot of shows. You can go actually go back and listen to whichever ones you want on, you know, iTunes, Google Play, mm -hmm. you know, because we, we get them up as a podcast, so... I tell you what, if there's somebody who wants to take me up on this challenge, okay. if you go back and listen to all 177 episodes, <clears throat> every one, mm -hmm. Paul and I will sign a card for your birthday to say happy birthday on your birthday, and we'll send it to you. I'll send him a book. <gasps> With a book. Rethink Happiness, my book. I'll sign it. You can sign it from both of us. With a birthday card on your birthday. On your birthday, yeah. So on show 200, we should celebrate somehow. Yes, we'll have to figure that out. Maybe somebody can give us a gift card to go out to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We don't get paid much for the show at all. So, Anyway, it's great to be with you guys. We, we do have a fun show today. It is Friday, so we're excited to be with you. Okay, so here's the question, Adam. Um, do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? Do I? So... Um, there's a man in North Dakota. Okay. Fargo, North Dakota, in fact, the famous place in North Dakota. Yep. And there's not many other <laughs> places in North Dakota, by the way. Like right. it's pretty sparse terrain. Right. Know? So when you come up on a city, you're just like, whoa, there it is. Have you been to North Dakota? Fargo, I have. Nice. It's, yes. It's the north one. Well, anyway, this man one day finds that uh, he opens his Chevy Avalanche. Mm hmm. And finds literally 42 gallons of walnuts in his truck. 42 gallons. They He collected them all, and they were 42 gallons worth. And apparently, the issue was a squirrel, um, unbeknownst to him, was literally taking one walnut at a time from wherever they were and using his truck to store it. And when I say it was everywhere, I mean it was everywhere. You open the hood... Squirrel put walnuts everywhere in the hood, um, you know, in the engine. Yeah. Inside the truck. Uh, it was literally everywhere. So did the guy pick the walnuts and just have them in his truck and the squirrel would break in and eat them? Or did the squirrel bring all No, the squirrel the brought the walnuts into his truck. So like a winter haven. He, mm -hmm. And the guy just never maybe used his truck. It sat around. I guess he had enough time sitting around to get 42 gallons worth of walnuts shoved in his car. Wow. Um, he said, I, I 
had to pull the fenders off and clean out the walnuts. So I had to take the fenders off the truck <laughs> and thought I had them all and took it down the road, turned the corner and found one rolling down the windshield where the wipers go. <laughs> and there's pictures of, uh, I mean, just massive amounts. Um, so anyway, he said, actually, it's not the first time it happened to him. So would you call this like a, like a squirrel hoarder? Yeah, I would say so. It sounds like the squirrel was really preparing for winter, maybe a little overboard, and willing to take someone's truck to do so. I love it. That's uh, that's nutty, man. It is. Um, <laughs> he said, so the issue was he parks his truck close to a tree, and so the squirrel just kind of, you know, oh, it's near a tree. It must be a tree, and just went for it. But the, the same thing happened to him in 2013. So, you know, ha- this happening to you once would be aggravating, you know, but having twice, I mean, park your car somewhere else. I don't know. I like walnuts. Well, when he was cleaning it out, cleaning out the walnuts off his truck, that squirrel watched him the whole time, just stared him down. Sounds legendary. <laughs> it, it sounds <laughs> it sounds mythological. No, he said, he said the squirrel will sit in the tree and watch me clean up the walnuts, walnuts the whole time. He's almost like, that's mine, buddy. Let me just tell you how long that squirrel would last in Louisiana. <laughs> Not long. That's right. We just had squirrel day last weekend. Yeah, squirrel season. People will shoot them up. So mm-hmm. anyway, it sounds like the squirrels are pretty smart, but he's a hoarder. L- mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. Do you have any hoarder, hoarder genes in your system? You know, I do um, a very small amount, but it is for, for Books? Books. And my wife and I will have a funny conversation every few months where she thinks it's time to get rid of some. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, there's no way. I will definitely need my sophomore year of college, um, you know, intro to communications textbook at some point in my life. Just in case. I can't get rid of that. Right. I think we all have a little hoarder in us, you know, like mm-hmm. we, we all a little bit, like we're, we're attached a little bit to something. Now, some of us maybe to a lot of things or whatever, uh, but so we have a little bit of, you know, that's why I like having an office because I can put all my books on a bookshelf and have them in the office so they're not in the house, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we all like, you know, I love tools, you know, so like Got the more the tools, merrier, so. you know. Mm-hmm. Now I have them organized so it doesn't seem like I'm a hoarder or they're messy, but I'm definitely, you know, like having, it's like just in case I need that tool and I'll never use it for my life because I'm never going to work on like a carburetor or something like right. that. But I got a carburetor tool, you know, like I like to have. But, you know, we all have a little bit of hoarder in us. You know, now some people are worse than others. Yeah. Well, if you're going to shove something into your truck, um, 42 gallons worth of something, would it be tools? What would it be? 42 gallons? That's how many walnuts that squirrel did. Hmm. Besides Guinness? <laughs> 42 gallons of Guinness on tap would be really good. Not while you're driving, maybe when you park it. Yeah, not while I'm driving. <laughs> That's um, good, yeah. Yeah, gumbo, oh. 42 gallons of gumbo. Nice, hidden in your car. That, yeah. would sm- that would smell after a while, unless you're in a cold place. You have to- a top on it? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good plan. What about you? You know, I, I guess at first thought, um, I would put... Pipe tobacco? No, I know this is going to be a shock to you, Paul, but Mm -hmm. I actually like suckers a lot. So, like, you do have a sweet tooth, yeah. I do have a sweet tooth, but I like the idea of eating a sucker for a little while. I would put 42 gallons worth of suckers hidden in my Jeep and I'd just grab one whenever I feel like a sucker, (laughs) like a Tootsie Pop. 
Really? Oh, yeah. I'll do that. That's hysterical. For sure. That really kind of describes you in, in more, <laughs> more ways than one. You know, it's interesting. You bring up this this have you seen, which is uh, kind of crazy, but it, it's sort of related to the gospel that we see this Sunday. It's one of those pretty strong gospels. It's a story that we all remember when we hear it. If we go to Mass on Sunday and we hear the reading, we're, it's one of those gospels when we we hear it being read or we read it, we're like, I, I remember that story. You know, there's a lot of parts of the Bible when you hear it or read it, like, oh, I, I never heard of that or I never, I didn't remember that, right? Mm. This one is a famous gospel reading, one that we remember every time, you know, because it's got some pretty clear and strong words from Jesus that are hard to like skip over, you know, and I think we all at times, do a good job of wanting to skip over some of the hard things, right, that are in the Gospels because it's like, I don't really want to do that, right? Like, or that's too hard, you know? And we can all relate. Like, there's the certain things I'm like, man, that was that was a rough saying, man. Like, that's... But Jesus doesn't mince words, and we want to know the truth. Like, Jesus, like, preaches it. And it's from the Gospel of Mark <clears throat> that we'll hear, and it's about the the rich young man who comes to Jesus with questions, right? What must I do to enter uh, the kingdom, to to have eternal life? He, he asked a question, a very good question, by the way, probably one that is still very relevant today. What must I do to get to heaven, like to have this eternal prize, eternal life? That's the question that he, he asked Jesus. We all know this story, right? And they have this interaction, right? You remember this gospel? I do remember it. Yeah, I'm sure you do, <laughs> right? And... Uh, you know, it's interesting because they have this conversation, and Jesus doesn't start with the end in mind. He starts with where the guy is. He meets him right where he is. So the guy says, you know, uh, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And um, <clears throat> Jesus says, do you know the commandments? You know, you shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, bear false witness shall defend, honor your father and mother. And he replied, teacher, all these things I have observed from my youth. So, you know, he meets him where he is, and he lays out the commandments. Like, that's the start, right? <clears throat> and really, honestly, like the start of the Christian life and the road to discipleship is to start with the commandments. Like, am I following God in these things? This is, <clears throat> quote-unquote, the, the owner's manual in a sense, right? The commandments, and then, but Jesus takes it a step further, right? This is the part that gets really hard for us because we're like, oh, I do the commandments, you know? Teacher, all these have observed from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You're lacking in one thing. Oh, no. Here it goes, right? It's, like, <laughs> it's a big thing, though. Yeah, it's like Jesus <laughs> is setting him up. You have walnuts in your truck. You know? <laughs> You're lacking one thing. Go sell what you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At that statement, his face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions, right? So, like, we know this story. This isn't like a foreign story that you're going to hear, and you're like, oh, I never heard that, unless you're in church for the first time, or have never read, you know, Scripture or heard of it. This is a pretty famous gospel reading, right, that Jesus throws out um, this Sunday, and it's got a lot there, and we shouldn't avoid it because it's got some hard things, because it's got something to teach all of us, Right. Because part of following Christ, I mean, this thing is layered, is this not only following the commandments and obeying God, but a sense of detachment from the world because we're not created for it. 
Yeah, I think that's a, an important insight that you're making on this situation because the commandments don't require us to reject the world, right? Like, so for example, they're based in natural law. So it's just natural not to kill people. And everywhere in the world, people should not be killing people. It's right? natural to love. It's natural to love. It's natural to worship God on Sunday. It's natural to um, not commit adultery, to speak the truth. These are things that are part of human nature that every human ought to do, right? It's, it's, it's part of being naturally good. Yeah, and that can get twisted in our sinful nature, right? Our con- mm-hmm. this concupiscence to you know, move us at times away from God into sin because we feel like it'll satisfy, uh, you know, some other longing in our heart, right? But Mm -hmm. in our very nature, it's very natural for us to honor and love God and honor and love other people, right? Like, that's not so foreign. Right. But your insight, I think, is so great that the call from Jesus is a supernatural vocation. It's not just, you know, be a good person but in a way to reject the world's pursuits, to sell all that you've accumulated to give to the poor, which is, that is against the world. That's contrary to the world's ideas of what success is. And then to follow him, to spend your life following another person is also not a worldly pursuit, right? Like you want to be followed by people. You don't want to follow someone else and commit to that. And so um, I think it's an important insight you're making that this restlessness in the rich young man really is this wrestling with, his supernatural vocation, what Jesus wants him to do beyond just being a generally good person. And this is a wrestling that all young people have. Lord, what do you want for me to do? Do you want me to be a priest, a religious, a married person? And if I am married, what kind of marriage are you calling me to have? And it requires that detachment and that willingness to forsake worldly pursuits to accept that supernatural vocation. Yeah, and so here's the caveat is like none of us, none of us are off the hook for this gospel. So if Mm. you're sitting there, you're like, oh, this reading, that's for rich people, not for me. The reality is we're all rich. We're we're all wealthy in some way, shape, or form, right? Like, and we all have possessions and things. And what the Lord's getting at here is that where you talk about this supernatural calling, this deeper discipleship and journey with Christ is more about following rules and regulations, right? And it's about this relationship. And to be detached, right, from the things of the world, right? And so a lot of times it's like, oh, this is, this is, he's talking to a rich, rich young man. Well, this guy was obviously rich compared to Jesus and his disciples because they didn't carry anything with him, right? Right. So, so like, this guy might have had a camel, and he's like, you're rich. <laughs> so he's speaking to all of us. Like, none of us are, you know void of like learning from this lesson because in, in some way we're all attached to something and that and the lord's constantly invite us into deeper detachment i think the thing that we we get wrong in reading this reading is that we assume the end we assume that the end is that he left jesus and never came back it never says that mm-hmm. it just says he went away sad for he had many possessions we don't know what he did when he went home. He might have sold all this stuff. He might have. He might have kept some of it and said, I'll be back later. I'm going to follow him. He, he, or shoved it all on a Chevy Avalanche. He, exactly. Like, we have no idea the end, which is kind of cool because Jesus doesn't tell us the end. So if you're under the assumption that the guy walked away sad and, like, his life was over and Jesus just kicked him to the curb, that we do not know that. And, of course, Jesus wouldn't do that. I think he walked away sad because he had a lot to think about. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Have you ever, ever been at a place in your life where you're like pondering the deeper things of life and the deeper calling of Jesus? That's good. That's okay. Like when, when, when our hearts are convicted and we, we sort of have to think about it, like that's not necessarily a bad thing to ponder the things of God, to ponder the tough questions, to, to, to walk away and like, marinate in the reality of where my life is and where I want it to go. Jesus posed this question because he knew the guy had to, had to really kind of rethink his life, which is he needed to have a conversion, mm-hmm. right? He needed to move into this new life that God was calling him to. Well, I think he was sad because Jesus touched on that restlessness in him that he couldn't touch until that moment. He didn't know. And, you know, for a lot of us, there is a certain restlessness with being wealthy, rich, or have everything we need. We surprisingly are discontent. You know, like the, in life, we'll have this dissatisfaction or there's something more, you know, this feeling that, like, I'm not where I ought to be or it should be more than this. And it's a unique thing amongst wealthy and rich folks to have this particular type of dissatisfaction in life. And this is the source of his desire, if he's really kept the commandments, right, but he needs something more, that source of dissatisfaction Jesus touches and says, because you're so attached to stuff, you know, like you're not satisfied because you're, you're putting all your affections in your stuff, and you're putting your security in your stuff instead of in me, in the Lord, and so when Jesus touches our wound like that, when he touches our restlessness, it hurts sometimes, and it needs to happen. You know, that touching needs to happen so that we can go sell all of our things. This is what happened to St. Francis of Assisi, who we celebrated just... But he heard this exact gospel, right? and he'd been wrestling with the Lord, too. And he'd been, you know, his faith was renewed, recovering from his injuries, and he was reading, and he was thinking and praying. And then he hears this gospel, and it touched him the way it touched that rich young man. You know, but for Francis, it created a joy in him to where he started selling all of his stuff and his dad's stuff. Um, and just giving it away. But he had to be touched where he needed to be touched, which was that that restlessness, that discontentment um, of a wealthy heart that needs to be converted to poverty. This is actually one of the things I touch on in my book, which you know came out in 2018. The reason I mentioned that is because we were talking about books earlier when we were off the air. And there's a part of a chapter that talks about detachment because one of the things I've learned in my life spiritually and in talking to other people is that without detachment, we never fully have freedom, right? There is, there is freedom and detachment in a sense of not so much that I don't have things or that God has blessed me or doesn't bless me or, or money or material items or whatever the case may be. It's that this idea that my heart and mind is detached from any of this cluttering my relationship with God, preventing me from going wherever God wants or doing whatever he wants me to do. And when we're held in bondage by our possessions, which is where this young man was, like he's held held captive basically by his possessions. He couldn't just leave and follow Jesus mm-hmm. immediately. He actually had to go and think about it, figure out what the next step was. He had a lot to deal with. And when our lives are complicated and they got a lot of things, it gets more complicated, hands down. Like if you don't think like religious brothers and sisters who live the vow of poverty have freedom and detachment to go wherever God calls them compared to you and I, 
right? That's silly. Mm-hmm. They do, right? And that's a beautiful vocation. And that's not all of our vocation, but all of our vocation is detachment, right? That that none of none of it would clutter our ability to say yes to Jesus and to follow him, right? No matter what that takes or how we have to think about it. And the way Jesus poses the question is that for all of us, is that there Jesus is always gonna call us deeper into more and to freedom, right? Because he knows that the more freedom we have, uh, the more that we ha- have the ability to have joy and peace in this world, you know, which is just a temporary, you know, holding spot for all of us. Yep, it's just a Chevy Avalanche where we keep our keep our nuts until one day we're in that Chevy Avalanche <clears throat> in the sky. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to take a break. It's Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, in studio with the world-famous Deacon Adam Conk. World-famous. The one and only. The, the pipe smoker himself. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's no other Deacon Adam Conk in the world. Mm-hmm. I know there's 7 billion people out there, but I don't know. I'm pretty confident about that one. You probably are. There is another Paul George in the world. We will not get into that on this show. i got to be detached from it. <laughs> I'm surprised that you actually didn't have more dad jokes. What you Your mean? Your corny dad jokes in the first segment when we were talking about walnuts and, you know, all that stuff. I just... It kind of floored. I was just waiting for one, and I had a small one. I was like, "That's that's." And you were holding on to it. No, I said it. You oh. did, you were thinking about your next thing to say, but I was like, "That that's this is kind of kind of nutty." Oh, I and didn't you, catch it. And You're you right. Didn't, you didn't. I'm, yeah, but I'm I figured you had way more than that stored up. Yeah. <laughs> Good, Paul. Yeah. I, I, I'm just going to let you shine with your dad jokes. Today, no, I, I don't have many. I'm n- not even close to being in the <laughs> in the same uh, arena as you with dad jokes. You got the best ones. Well, appreciate that, Paul. Yeah. So anyway, thanks for listening to the show uh, on the radio, KLFT. Appreciate you or on the podcast, wherever you are, uh, being a part of show 177. Here we are. Here we are, which is nuts. You nice. know, we're talking about <laughs> – we're talking about <laughs> – uh, this gospel for Sunday, it's it's just it's packed with so many things and so many lessons in our life. And you know, I would I would be remiss to ever avoid reading this gospel because it's it's always teaching me something, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and calling me to more, which is which is what discipleship is, right? Like should never be stale and uh, you know, just set in stone in like my journey with the Lord. Like mm-hmm. as soon as that happens, like everything begins to fall apart, including other relationships in my life, you know, and my vocation. So constantly growing, but this gospel has a lot there. You know, it's interesting, you know, we're talking about detachment and uh, Jesus uses, you know, the analogy of is easier for 
a camel to pass through an eye of a needle than for a rich person to inherit the kingdom of God. I, I believe we're all rich, honestly. So, like, you know, I'm not, like, rich is a relative term. In, in yeah, but if you, if you have zero concern about being able to eat in the next year, like, I'm pretty sure I can eat every day for the next year, then, yeah, you're, you're pretty rich. Right, yeah. So, so, like, just don't get caught up into that word, right? Like, that's what Jesus is saying. But, you know, he uses this, you know, the, the image of a camel passing through the eye of a needle. And in, you know, the gate in Jerusalem, there was a passageway called the eye of the needle, right? Where, you know, you could journey as your journey, you could go through there with your camel and having all this stuff. And, you know, if you had a ton of things on your camel, which, you know, were like, you know, mules that would pack stuff, right? These camels. You'd have to undress your camel with all their stuff to get through there. And the camel would have to bend down low and go through there. And it would shorten your journey, you know, to get through there. But you had to get rid of all your stuff to go through, right? Or take it off. This is the analogy that Jesus is using. And his disciples and all those around him would have known exactly what he's talking about. They're like, oh, that's what you're talking about. We don't have to sell the camel. We just got to get rid of all the stuff that's on the camel to get through the gate. Yeah, I think that what we're getting at is this idea of finding our security in things and possessing things versus seeing things as gifts from the Lord and using them appropriately in that way or like enjoying them in that way. So the first situation of you seeing things as a gift from the Lord, I could God can give me lots of things. Like God wants to shower his children with gifts. I mean, I bought a lottery ticket not long ago. <laughs> it could work out. I mean, 700 billion? That would be a gift from from God, for sure. I mean, what would you do with 700 billion? Just I shove wouldn't it in my car. <laughs> I wouldn't $1. keep it all. I'll take that in ones. I'll take it in ones. Seven billion ones, and I'm going to shove it in my Chevy Avalanche. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere. I mean, when I turn on the windshield wipers, <laughs> dollar bills would just fly around. But, um, yeah, God gives us so many great things, and he wants to. He's our Father who loves us. It's not like he wants us to be destitute. No. But he wants to give us things in a way that it nurtures our relationship with him, which is why any father gives anything to their sons or daughters, right? Like... When we get a gift from a parent or when I give a gift to my child, it's, a, it's in the context of a relationship that this gift is nurturing, that I, me and my child will be strengthened by this gift. But what happens when we find security in stuff, not because God gave it to us, but because we, can't, we think we can't live without it. Like, my life will be okay if I have this. My life will be okay as long as this is happening. Well, then it doesn't nourish our relationship with the Father. It doesn't deepen our dependence on Him. It actually separates us. Mm -hmm. It actually makes us more dependent on ourselves or on these things than we are on the Father. And this is what, this is the discontentment of the rich young man. This is what keeps us from following God's will and keeps us from being willing to leave our stuff behind because we think things will turn out badly if we don't possess these things. And that is death to our spiritual life. How can we become more dependent on the Father and a better relationship with Him if we don't even trust Him enough to take care of us? Yep. You know? Well, exactly. I mean, you, you make a great point. I mean, and it's, you know, 
we're all sitting here trying to process and kind of, you know, like the rich young man, kind of walking away trying to think about it. And and the reality is it comes to this question is, is if there's anything in my life, and I'm talking to myself, that is hindering my relationship with the Lord, I, I need to get rid of it. I need to figure it out. And that could be sin, attachment to sin. It could be attachment to ideas, my pride, my thoughts, uh, you know, uh, I got to do it my way, you know, my rules or my regulation. Like, am I attached to my way? Uh, um, and then am I attached to certain things, you know, and it, I got to evaluate, is there anything in my life I'm attached to? That's hindering my relationship with God. I mean, this gospel, it lays it out, right? Very clear. And I, and I have to ask myself that question. And whoever's listening, you got to ask. And, and to be big enough, brave enough to answer the question, mm-hmm. right? And to, and to just allow the grace of Jesus to walk you through it. Because here's the hope of this gospel. So don't give up on us right here, okay? Don't tune us out. <laughs> Because here's the beautiful thing about this gospel is that it ends on such an amazing note, right? It goes through this conversation, and then Jesus just lays it out. And this guy walks away sad, and the disciples are there like, wait, what'd you just say and what'd you do, right? And then Jesus goes into this saying, which, um, you know, the disciple says, you know, um, you know, we left everything, Lord, and yada, yada. And, and Jesus said, amen to you. I say to you that you know, no one has given up a house or brother or sister or mother or whatever, father or children and lands for the sake of my kingdom who would, who will not inherit, you know, eternal life. Um, but here, here's what I'm getting at right here. It says this, it says, um, Jesus looked at them and said, for human beings, it is impossible, but for God, but not for God, all things are possible for God. I mean, that's the way this gospel ends. Well, and there's the security in life. Real security. All things are possible for God. Right. And if he's my father, then everything is going to work out. If I stay close to him, you know, if I'm his child. And that's that's where our security should be. Right. Now, I bought a lottery ticket, and I didn't win. Did you really? And if all my hope was in that, right, in that winning or having it, you know, whatever the case may be, the, the beauty of this is that Jesus ends this with with a very uplifting statement of saying, like, you may think that as you walk away sad or as you evaluate your life or you think about the things you're attached to or what's hard to let go of or hard to get over or you don't think that you're going to make it through something, and I'm talking to all of us, Jesus says this, for human beings, it is impossible. Mm-hmm. And there are times in life where we are staring at impossibilities, right? I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how to do this. I keep struggling with the same thing over and over. I don't know if I can detach from this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I, 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 I don't know, right? And Jesus says, yeah, that, absolutely. For human beings, it is impossible, but not for God. All things are possible for God. No matter what you're, you're facing right now, a lottery ticket won't solve it. God will. Yeah. Well, like the rich young man, a lot of times we don't even know or we can't process what we are attached to, like what is holding us back. We don't know. And we need Jesus to point it out to us. And that's why I think this gospel story can inspire one of the most courageous 
prayers that is only for the brave, only for those that are willing to do it all for the Lord, which is this, Lord, detach me from what I'm not, I don't know I'm attached to. I think I'm going to write a book I, called What Happened to the Rich Young Man? What Happened to Him? Because there's so much speculation. What if he went on a retreat? Mm-hmm. Like, what if he went away sad and, like, went on a retreat and said, I got to think about this and pray about it? Nothing's impossible. That's right. What if a year later he met up with Jesus again and is like, I'm following you all the way? Nothing's impossible. You know, no matter where you are, what state of life, wherever you're at, or someone, a friend or a family member, maybe somewhere that you're just like, man, I, I wish they would come back. I wish they would have a conversion. I wish I could or whatever. Nothing is impossible. Mm-hmm. Nothing. That's what God says. I mean, that's the promise of God is like, you know, I think of <clears throat> I think of St. Augustine, you know, who St. Monica, his mother, prayed for him for so many years and became one of the greatest church fathers and saints that we have. You know how far and impossible his life was away from God? Like the impossibility of her even thinking, he's never coming back. Mm-hmm. He's far away. Like his, his lifestyle has determined his destiny, and there's no hope. And she kept praying. That's, and what happened? Nothing is impossible for God. He had a conversion. I want to be brave enough to say, Lord, nothing is impossible for you. Whatever is in my heart that is not yours, whatever is detached to something else, just rip it out. Even if I don't know what it is, even if it's going to hurt me. And what's scary about that prayer is he will answer it because nothing is impossible for him. And all we have to do is give him permission to detach us. Right. And it will be painful. It will be making us sad. But there are lots of things in our heart and our life that we don't even realize is holding us back from our journey with the Lord that if we give him permission and say, Lord, you know what it is. You know where I need to be called out. You know where I lack in loving you. You know where I'm too attached to things. Um, rip it out. Rip it out of me. Tell me what I need to do, and I'll do it. You know, He'll answer that prayer, but you got to be brave enough to ask him. Yeah, absolutely. You know what's great about our faith is that we have grace even when we don't think or know or feel like we do. Right? Yeah. We have grace of the Lord living in us from our baptism, from our confirmation, you know, from the sacraments, the Eucharist, reconciliation, like available. And that, that literal, simple grace of God continues to open up our hearts to receive more and more of what God wants for us, you know? Mm-hmm. So nothing's impossible for God to achieve in our hearts as we just surrender every day to his will, right? Lord, take this away, take this burden away, take this pattern of behavior, this sin away, take this this attachment away. Like, help me to be free to love you and to serve you. And look, it, that's not a one-day prayer. Like, if you're anything like me, you're probably having to pray that every day, more than one time a day, like, because I'm constantly having to like detach myself from thoughts, from ideas, from my own will, my own plan. You know, I can plan out my life really good, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that's God's plan, right? Like, so there's constantly, you know, just saying, okay, Lord, not my will, your will, please. Right? Because I know that's where I'm going to find the most freedom, but it's not always easy. No, 
But it is possible. It is possible. It is very possible. All things are possible. Yeah. So go nuts. <laughs> you brought that up again. I did. Um, yeah, I, I love this rich young man gospel, and I think there are moments in our day that this moment with Jesus should happen almost daily. And for me, it's in the morning offering. You know, like when I look on my day and I think about what am I too attached to? Where am I going to struggle with the Lord today? And I ask for his grace to let me live for him instead of myself. And so for me, it's important to have that dialogue with Jesus daily of, of this situation where um, I realize that I'm going to be attached to things today. I'm going to want my own way at some point today when I'm you know, for me, I try to get very specific, like a particular person I'm going to talk to. I know that I tend to be selfish with this person or um, I don't talk to them with charity all the most, you know. And so I, it's important for me to let Jesus tell me that every morning. And then I, I ask for his grace. I ask for because I believe him. Nothing is impossible for him. And, you know, some days I look back at the end of the day and I say, wow, I, I didn't listen to his grace like I was selfish anyway. But a lot of a lot of times I can see him move in those relationships and those conversations. And I just thank God, like, thank you so much for your grace because nothing is impossible for you. And even this heart that's weak and selfish and all these things, like it's your heart and you chose to live in this heart of mine. And so, um, you know, I just thank you for overcoming that, overcoming my selfishness. Um, nothing really is impossible for him. And, you know, for a lot of us, Paul, I think, there's a certain attachment to our own sinfulness that can hold us back under the guise of virtue. And I know you've heard this from tons of people that are serious about the faith, serious about the spiritual life. This kind of overfixation with our own sinfulness and wretchedness, mm. beating ourselves up constantly or you know, being overly scrupulous about ourselves and others, that keeps us looking inward. And look, we should take sin seriously, for sure, you know? Christ died for our sins. Obviously, it's a serious thing. But if we find security in our ability to not sin, we're too attached hmm. to that, and it's not going to work out. We're always going to be restless and miserable. Our security must be in God's power, that nothing is impossible for him. He can forgive our sins. He can overcome our sins. He can, by his grace, make up for our sins in other people's lives, the people that we've hurt, the people that we've failed. He can move mountains if we let him and ask him. I cannot put my security eternally or in this life on my ability to not sin. It has to be on God's power to forgive. You know, what other place in the gospel does, does God say nothing will be impossible? Mary and yeah. Gabriel, yeah. Yeah, when... God appears to Mary, and she is overwhelmed with the reality of, you know, being pregnant with, with God's son, right? Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> what does God speak to her? You know, I mean, get over it. You got this. No, nothing will be impossible. It's going to be hard. You know, if Mary didn't <clears throat> feel like it was going to be hard, he wouldn't have said anything. Yeah. He would have just been like, oh, okay, you got this. But no, nothing will be impossible. So in this, the, the greatest saint that we know, Mary, and St. Joseph, dealing with this reality and the beautiful reality, but also the tough reality of what was taking place, right? The reality of God coming into the world and the responsibility of that. What does God say to them? 
nothing would be impossible. God says those same words to us, right? Certainly this life is hard. It's not easy. We'll have ups and downs. And guess what? None of us make it out of here alive. And that <laughs> stinks, you know, from a worldly sense. Mm -hmm. But nothing will be impossible. You know, we have heaven. This is what the young man asked for, eternal life. And when we're detached from ourselves and, and we are clinging to God and his mercy, nothing's impossible. He, he's going to take us with him, you know, all the way to the pearly gates. Pearly gates. <laughs> well, and if you live that way and think that way, and I was recently reminded about this with Mother Teresa. We watched a film for her at our, at our school, a movie about her. But if we really think that way and live that way, the simplest reality of life that's the hardest to accept emerges, which is if it didn't happen, God didn't want it to happen. Hmm. You know, like for her... In the film, they, they show how she has this big project that she'd like to do for lepers in the city, and it's going to cost a lot of money. And she says, well, if God wants it, if that's what he wanted, he's going to pay for it. And so they're waiting on the money, and she said, well, I guess he's not that interested yet. you know. So if we really live according to the power of God, this sets up a situation where we lose control. People might get sick. People might die. People might hurt us. People might betray us. But we say, look, God allowed these things for some greater purpose. Right? Like Job says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And this is a very difficult way to live in that it's challenging, but it's also the simplest. And it makes us the happiest because everything is from God. What is good is from God. What is evil is allowed by God for some greater purpose. Hmm. And sometimes that for some greater purpose is very difficult to get to. You know, bearing your children, um, fighting for your spouse's life dealing with the bitterness and resentment in your marriage um, that, that just won't go away. Um, sometimes that road to get to that greater purpose is very difficult, but nothing is impossible, and there is a purpose and a reason behind the suffering in this life. Amen. All right. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for listening in on KLFT Radio or on the podcast. Paul George, Deacon Adam, Conk in studio. I'm drinking sparkling water. Mm. Flavored with cranberry. Mm. And it's got zero calories. Whoa. Zero sugar. So why are you drinking it then? Because I don't want any calories or sugar. It tastes good. Does it? Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. So have you ever had sparkling water? I don't think I have actually. I actually like sparkling, even like non-flavored. So, wow. Yeah. You're sophisticated, man. Well, for those people who uh, do not know, for the past year I've had braces, so you missed that show. Brace yourself. And so there he is, coming back to life, <laughs> finally. The, uh, so anyway, it... Wait a minute. Has my, it been a year and a it's half? It's been a year. A year. Yeah. Is it a two-year thing? It's been a year this month, so... 
October. So just one more to go. Yeah, hopefully less, depending on. But anyway, there's something about like bubbling, sparkling water. It's kind of bubbly, fizzly, that mm-hmm. feels good on my teeth that are always hurting. No kidding. Yeah, because when your teeth are moving at my age, it hurts a lot more than when your teeth are barely moving when you're 13. Did mm. you have braces as a kid? No. I probably needed them, but I just didn't. Yeah, so anyway. Hmm. I'm trying to evaluate if I would ever do it again. <laughs> <clears throat> but Well, look, nothing is impossible for God, and sometimes it's a long road. You're difficult right. road. This is it's a this is kind of having braces is kind of like the spiritual life. It's it's you're in it for the long haul. This is not like yeah. short term immediate success. Like this is a this is the long journey, and sometimes it really 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 is hard. So yeah. I I don't know. So anyway, but sparkling water. So in, speaking of sparkling water and walnuts, <laughs> I was uh, thinking of. A six-pack of questions. Question. That was quite an intro sentence. You like that? I appreciate it. (laughs) All right, question number one. Um, So we talked in the beginning about this man in North Dakota, found 42 gallons of nuts in his car. What is the craziest thing you've ever found in your car that you weren't expecting or your truck? Well, when I was in high school, this is going to get kind of gross, but... (laughs) I started my truck to go to school and um, my truck kind of like started smoking and my engine stopped and there was a cat sleeping oh. in the motor and it and it blew up. It was, oh, and then no. I opened the hood, I didn't know. And like, just imagine the just destruction of like stuff under the hood. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was horrible. Poor thing. I felt, Poor cat. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, everybody lost that day. Yeah. I found out it was either the cat don't have nine lives or that was his ninth life. Oh, he went through nine in your car. Yeah. That, and that my, my truck didn't start. Like everybody lost that day. Nobody won that day. It was a, a, but yeah, it happened for sure. Question number two. Um, So we talked about the rich young man and keeping the commandments and natural law and that kind of thing. Um, I would love to hear your perspective on how you help people break out of, maybe there's a particular commandment they struggle with, like maybe um, they struggle with sexual sins or they struggle with, uh, you know, telling the truth. Sometimes we just find that like we really lack an important natural virtue, you know, like just things good people do. How do you help people work through that and kind of come out of those, those bad habits into a more virtuous living? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, the only thing I can relate to is just the things that, you know, I try in my own life, which is, you know, if you want to grow in an area or in a virtue, you got to practice it, you know? So a virtue is a, is a habit that becomes a reality in your life, right? It becomes a part of you. And there are certain things that are harder for certain people and then others, you know, we all have weaknesses and things that we're working on, you know? So like maybe someone is just always generous and maybe more joyful. Maybe you're, you know, a little bit more moody or grumpy or whatever, or whatever the thing is. But the only way to grow into something is to practice, you know, 
if you're going to learn to pray, you got to practice praying. You got to actually do it and wake up and commit to it. If you're going to exercise, you got to do the th- same thing. So in the spiritual life and in growing in these little things, you have to put that to practice. You know, so put it to practice. Find a saint to be an intercessor for that. So maybe find a saint that you could pair up with who struggled with that virtue or who has that virtue and pray, ask for their intercession for you. And then commit to growing into that. Maybe it's a certain discipline, a certain thing, or whatever. And that's just what I try to do. It's like commit to working on it. Mm. Awesome. All right, question number three. So what was your biggest rich young man moment in your, your life where God actually called you to give up and detach big time? And you're like, all right, let's do it. Well, I had a camel. Did you really? No, but uh, <clears throat> that would have been a cool story. Um, you know, I, honestly, I think for me, like it was career-wise. I, I kind of had a plan. I, I'm a planner, a thinker, you know, and it just has never gone the route that I thought. And that's not bad because God's taken care and kind of done things that I have never could have predicted in my life. Good, bad, and ugly. But... Yeah, I mean, I think at some point I just had to say, Lord, like the path that you're carving out, like I got to I gotta surrender and got to let go. I got to detach myself from like the plans that I have. So those are big moments for me. I mean, and, and that hasn't been a one-time thing. It's been over the course of the past 20-something years, right, of just surrendering to God's plan instead of my own. And a lot of times I want to detour from it, right? And and carve my own path again, and God's kind of like you know rerouting me, weaving me back in. And uh, but but that's been a way, you know. Obviously, detachment from certain things or maybe material things that I think, oh, that'll be cool, bring me happiness. And it's like, yeah, whatever. Don't, don't get distracted by it. If I have it, great. If not, no big deal. Question number four. So let's say we're a person of means. You know that God has blessed us with maybe money or things or like we just have stuff you know um what are some ways you've helped people of means to interiorly detach from these things while at the same time it's part of your life right like maybe the lord wants you to have a lot of money for this reason or that reason like how how do you live that balance how how do you help people of means to to grow in that detachment man some of the most joyful disciples i've met are people with means who are generous so just, you know, if you have means, and we all should tithe and give and have a generous heart. So again, like this gospel readings for all of us, but there's different sort of maybe layers to that is, you know, whatever your means is, be generous because something about generosity brings joy. There's something about giving that brings joy. And so if you have a, you know, great means, like give a lot, right? And and find the joy in that. But even like the poor widow who gave one one coin, you know, she found joy in that. And that's how we need to be. Love it. Question number five. Have you ever ridden a camel? You know what? <clears throat> it's it's a little too bumpy. You've never ridden one? You didn't get that? I did. <laughs> <laughs> too bumpy? Two bumps. Shoulda two bumps. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't and I, I just made it. that joke up. I mean I've only bringing the dad jokes. Yeah, today. I've only Love become it. corny because of you. Like you've helped me develop that. I mean, if that's my legacy, I'll take it. So my legacy is making Paul George more corny. Yeah, I'll take it. Yes. So I've never actually ridden a camel. Never. No. Have you? No. 
I don't know if it, it just seems slow. I, I would, I would do it just to say that I did it, but unless that sucker ran, I don't want to just walk on a camel. Like a camel just kind of walks slow. Like, hey, let's let's roll. Mm. Let's see how fast you can go. You know, I mean, like, it, does a camel run as fast as a what? I don't have any idea. It's a good question. I never thought about how fast they could run. We should look that up. You know, we'll, or test it. We can get camels. They have a camel. At the, at the zoo. I don't know if they'll let us ride. <laughs> hey, if we gave you $5, could we ride this camel? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I'm sure at like some petting zoo, they have like camel rides or something. It does sound fun. Well, look, if anybody knows of a camel we can ride, let us know. <laughs> All right, question number six. Um, so detaching from things can be difficult, um, and maybe this gospel is convicted some of us with like, oh yeah, I have way too many clothes or way too many shoes or way too many whatever, or I spend way too much time doing whatever. Give me a top do and top don't. Once we identify something that we need to detach from, how do we get that done? Top do, top don't. That's a good idea. I mean, I think that's a practical thing we can all do. I try once a year to go through my possessions, my closet, whatever, and give things away. So what am I actually wearing and what am I not? Like, what do I need and what do I don't? It doesn't matter. This isn't about anything else other than, like, just being detached and then giving away things to folks, right? And then, you know, I, I try to practice that. You know, I try to, <clears throat> you know, obviously I'm sure you guys do the same thing. You find yourself doing that or sitting down, practice saying, okay, where's our money going? Where are we tithing and giving to, you know, what ministries or people or missionaries or churches or what are we supporting? And we, we're all called to that sense of giving and generosity and detachment at, at whatever level of like, you know, status we're at. Like it's, it's good for all of us. I think it teaches our kids. Like if you have kids, it teaches kids a lot about giving and generosity even if they don't believe it in the time i think they look back and they they kind of will will kind of have it built into them you know this idea of giving and um you know having a, a generous spirit and a generous heart about it so yeah it's not thinking about is maybe putting it on paper and saying i'm actually going to do this and then just making it happen just going executing you know, that's kind of one of the things I'm learning is like write it down and execute it. So, mm-hmm. I pr- love it. Prioritize and execute. Nice. So, and I try to do that in my spiritual life. Prioritize and execute. What are the priorities I need to be working on, and how do I execute those? Yada yada. So, yeah, it's a good reading. I mean, it's a, it's a really good good topic. I think we can all c- continue to kind of ponder and pray with it. But you can go to, back to that gospel tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now, and God's going to speak to you in some way, shape, or form. That's the beauty of Scripture, which we talked about in last week's show with St. Jerome, you know, um, and in Scripture, we talked a lot about that, how it's a living word, and it's constantly moving and challenging us, and, and, it's, and it's speaking truth to us even today. It's a very rich gospel. Ooh. There he goes. We're going to end with that. (laughs) Adam Dad jokes. Thanks, everyone, for listening in, for being a part of the show on KLFT Radio or on the podcast, wherever you are. And we'll be back next week. Have a great, great week. God bless.